One of my secrets to adulthood is that great luggage makes a huge difference to your travel experience, which is why I am obsessed with Briggs & Riley. It's extremely durable, has amazing features that make packing and getting around easier, and they have the best lifetime guarantee in the industry. So if your bag is ever broken or damaged, they will repair it free of charge, no proof of purchase needed, no questions asked, even if an airline damages your bag. Yes, and I love that they have supremely smooth, shock-absorbing wheels for easy gliding through your travels. Hot off the press, the Simpatico collection of hard-sided luggage is new and improved and just launched on Briggs-Riley.com. It has the new one-touch feature, which allows you to expand your luggage, pack it, then compress it to its original size so a carry-on can still fit in the overhead compartment, and that's just one of the new features. Available in black, navy blue, and olive green. The following podcast contains explicit language. Do we have any idea how we're tracking? No idea. Who do we even call about that? I don't know. Is it marketing or promo? Publicity? Current? Do we really want to know? (laughs) Maybe we (laughs) don't want to know. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 19 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this week's episode, Sarah and I talked to entertainment career coach Carol Kirshner about having a game plan in Hollywood. Then in take two, we revisit being rewritten. This week's Hollywood hack can help you further your career when you're feeling stuck in an overcrowded field. And Sarah has a housewife celebrity sighting this week. I am so jealous. I know. Um, But Liz, first we have an update. In episode 96, we talked to Crystal Ellefson about working from home. This is something a lot of people are doing. Um, And as a follow-up, your friend Mindy, my friend also, um, who Who lives in Kansas City, where we're from. Yes. um, She emailed us a few tips because she is a work-from-homer. Yes, she works from home. And Mindy, I should say, is very... um, Disciplined. So these tips come from a disciplined play. She's sort of a Gretchen type. She's an upholder. I think she is, yes. Um, So she says that having routines to help her frame her day, um, help her stay organized and on task. So she says she looks at her calendar and plans the days that she'll work. Then, and I think this is very important. It is. She says, I protect those days as work days and don't plan anything that will interfere. I sort of set a schedule for those days so that I will stay on task. She says, typically, she takes her daughter to school, does a workout class, takes her dog for a walk, and then sits down at 945 or 10 to work until she picks up her daughter from school. And interestingly, she says she has an established place in her house that she uses as an office, just like Crystal. Yes, that seems that, like really important. Yes, that seems to be a common theme of people who work from home. Yeah. And then I thought this was great. She says, I don't let myself answer phone calls during my work-dedicated time. She 
says, I do use iMessage a ton, so I end up texting with people and can get distracted that way, but I'm able to ignore phone calls and emails that are not work-related for the most part. So that keeps her on task. That takes a lot of discipline. Yes. So, Mindy, when I call, she's not answering the phone. You know why. why. (laughs) And then... When she feels like she's stuck or being unproductive, she takes her dog for a walk. Yes, which, as we know, getting out, getting air, doing a brisk walk always helps. You come back, your mind is clear. That is when Mindy calls me. She calls me when she's walking her dog. Oh, nice. And then she also says, when I say I'm going to work, I do it. It's easy for me to compartmentalize. I'm pretty focused and not prone to procrastination. She says, I love having the natural ability to block other things out, not get distracted, and just buckle down and get my stuff done. Yes, she sounds like my sister. Yes. (laughs) I feel proud of being able to do this and know that I actually get more work done, not less, when I work from home. And yes, she says it suits my personality and upholder. her. Yeah. What's interesting to me is, is everyone is different. And so if you figure out the thing that works for you... Then you'll be the most successful. And Mindy, since she knows herself so well, she's kind of set up the structure that allows her to accomplish the most in her day. Yeah. And I think the truth is not everyone can work from home. Right. I mean, there are people that just doesn't work for them. They need to get an outside office space, even if they're a freelancer, like a shared office space so that they have a place to go. Yeah. But for someone like Mindy, it's very effective. Yeah. And I also want to say that Mindy, in addition to being like one of your oldest friends from like fourth grade, I think. Seventh grade. Seventh grade. Okay. She is our sort of inspiration yes. for making this podcast not just relevant to people in Los Angeles. That's right. We always say, well, is this interesting to Mindy in Kansas City? Because if Mindy doesn't find it interesting, then other people won't find it interesting either. Thank you, Mindy. Yes. Thank you, Min. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's having a game plan. Yes. Now, why is having a game plan on our minds? Because the amazing Carol Kirshner, who we've known since she interviewed us for the WGA showrunner training program like 11 or 12 years ago, um, has written an insanely informative new book called Hollywood Game Plan, How to Land a Job in Film, TV, or Digital Entertainment. It's for anyone aspiring to have a career in show business. And she is here to tell us about it. Carol Kirshner is the director of the Writers Guild of America's Showrunner Training Program and the CBS Diversity Writers Mentoring Program, as well as an author and international speaker. In her role as an entertainment career coach, she helps aspiring writers, producers, directors, and executives navigate Hollywood as they shatter barriers, break in, and thrive in the entertainment industry. Carol, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. This is one of my favorite podcasts because it's not bitter. Oh, good. (laughs) We try. Give us time. We're bitter when we're not on mic. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Carol, this book you've written is a godsend for so many people because I feel like for years we've all gone around saying there's no manual (laughs) on how to make it in Hollywood, but now there is. You wrote the manual. Thank you. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Um, What I want to know is what's the first thing people should do when they know they want a career in entertainment? That is a really good question. What they need to do is start to research. They need to research on a couple levels. One is, 
what job do they think they're attracted to? What mm. part of the business? Mm. There's above the line. There's below the line. Of course, in the book, I list all the different jobs and what the entry-level gig is to get it. But it's about really researching what you want to do, and then you have to ask yourself on a deep and authentic level, are you willing to do everything it takes to Mm. be in this incredibly competitive business? And if you're faltering, probably you should do something else, Mm -hmm. anything else, because all the people that are breaking in will step on your face to get <laughs> yeah. to where they want to. And you don't have to be a face stepper, but you have to be willing to go to the front of the line. Yeah. I mean, we say when we moved here and decided to be TV writers, we did nothing unless we thought it would somehow advance our chances of becoming a TV writer. I Absolutely. mean, it was all we thought about 24-7. Because getting a job is a job. You you have to look at it as a job. And in addition to doing research and asking yourself on a deep level if this is for you, it's starting to meet people because it's all about meeting people, as you guys know, as you women know. Yes, we do. It truly is. Yes. Yes. It really is about just sort of reaching out to people, building relationships. What surprises me and surprised, I think, both of us when we first moved here, is that, in fact, people will help you. People want to help you. But if you don't know anybody, you can't reach out to anyone and nobody can kind of help lift you up. Well, I think there's a couple of ways to meet people. I have a client because I also do career coaching. And now it's true she came out of marketing, so she had the right personality Mm. for this. But when she got here, because she came from another state, she said, I'm going to meet 100 people in a year. And she's at 86 now, and the year isn't over. And what she did is she reached out in a very respectful way on social media and said, I would just love to hear your story. She wasn't asking for anything. Mm. She just – and you'd be surprised, as you both were, that people are open. I mean, there's some dicks, and they're not going to help you no matter what. But the rest of people are willing to give you some time. And just give you advice. Because we've all been through it. We've Absolutely. All been there. Yes. And somebody gave you your break. Yeah. Yes. And somebody oh, met yeah. with you. Yes. So I mean, Nicole Norwood is one of the people who gave us our breaks. Really? And we put her on a pedestal and, you know, worship. Yeah. yeah. Without, without her, her, forget it. Who yeah. knows? There, there is often the person that will open the door for you. You have to be willing to go through it and go through it yeah. right. But... Mm-hmm. You would be surprised six degrees of separation. Is it six or seven? I never Six. Know. It's six <laughs> degrees of separation. No matter where you are, you probably know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Absolutely. Well, that brings me to a question I have about internships. Because yes. you talk in the book about the importance of internships. So that's yep. a big conversation going on, I think, in general. Yes. Um, how can someone who has absolutely no connections get an internship? You can't. No, that's not true. (laughs) You're fucked. No, that's not true either. Um, There's a couple of ways to do it. Internships are advertised for big companies, and you can send in your resume, and you have a shot at it that way. I think it's really important to be proactive, though, is Mm -hmm. identify the companies that you think you would like to work for. And you have to be in school because, as we know, thank you, Black Swan guys, um, they can't have you as an unpaid intern unless you're in school. Mm -hmm, If they pay you, you don't have to be in school. You can reach out to them, write a great cover letter, and say, I would love to work for free 
and help you with what you're doing. And here's why I'm groovy. I don't know if people realize this, but the reason internships are so helpful is because once people know you, then they're invested in you. Oh, yes. You know, like if we have an intern that we love, we're going to be more likely to promote that person as opposed to someone we've never met. It's just human nature. Absolutely. And I like to think about it as when you meet people, before you meet them, they're a them, you know, Mm. and once they start to get to know you, you're an us. Mm. And people want, as what you just said, people want to hire and work with people they feel are uses. And why wouldn't you hire a fantastic intern as opposed to going out and trying to find some? My daughter was an intern at Funny or Die, and she worked her ass off. Mm. And they hired her for her first job out of college because she proved herself. So internships are a way to meet people and get them, as you said, invested in you because they will help you, especially if you show your work ethic. Now, one of the problematic things about internships, obviously, especially free internships, is that there are a lot of people who just can't afford to work for free. Absolutely. And it opens up opportunities to people who already sort of have a level of privilege. Yes. And we're all very concerned about diversity in the entertainment industry and opening the doors to more women and people of color. And you are very active in creating opportunities for people. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do in that arena? Sure, sure. And I was a development executive for about 18 years at CBS and then at Amblin. And I left being an executive for a variety of reasons. I became a consultant. And as a consultant, I created the CBS Diversity Writers Mentoring Program. We're in our 16th year We've helped launch the career of 70 writers of color, and we have nine showrunners. Nine showrunners. Oh, my God. Because it's not about giving somebody a staff writer job. It's about getting them in the system and moving up. And what's so exciting is people that have been through the CBS program that are now in the showrunner training. Yeah. Oh. And there's been about five of them. That makes me teary. Yeah, it's great. So... Here's what the CBS program is, and there's programs at NBC, ABC, HBO, and used to be Fox, but Fox doesn't know what the hell it's doing, so (laughs) there is no program at Fox. We are looking for, right, it's television writers, writers of color who apply to the program, and what we're looking, and I can tell you in a minute what we're looking for. So they apply to the program. If they get in, they write a script with a network or studio mentor. And what that does exposes them to that process. The notes process. The notes process. (laughs) It's so fun. It's so (laughs) fun. And it's what they're going to be facing. And then I get them for four months where what we do is work on, it's almost like finishing school. It's not about a script. It's Mm -hmm. how do you take a showrunner meeting? We have mock showrunner meetings. Showrunners come in. We have a mock writer's room. We have agents and managers and executives. Most people that go through the program get representation through the program, which helps launch you, and they often get staffed. Carol, my question is, can you look at the group you've got in front of you and tell who's going to be successful and who's not based on your experience? Yes, my spidey sense and experience. (sighs) It's people who have it on the page and on the stage. Mm. 
Mm. It's oh gosh, have it on the page and on the stage. Yeah, that's a keeper. Yeah, yeah. Please use it, steal <laughs> yes. it. That's what I say. I'm sure I stole it from somebody. So their writing chops are strong. They don't have to be perfect because these people are starting out, yeah. but they're strong. And every time they take notes, the script gets better. So mm-hmm. that's one part of it. And the other is they are warm. They're generally outgoing. Even if they're not really, they know how to put them mm-hmm. on. Right. Yes. How to turn um, that on. And they have tons of stories, tons of anecdotes. So that you guys know as showrunners, when you're hiring somebody, you want a story-generating machine, right? Yes. Absolutely. Because it's not just for their passion, which is important, because right. it's mm-hmm. exciting from what I hear to have a staff writer if you're tired. Mm-hmm. Staff writer's so excited yes. to be there. Yay! Yes. But they have to be able to generate stories. And they have to be somebody who's not psycho. So when I look <laughs> at people, if they're super neurotic, it's not that you couldn't get in if you're super neurotic, but it makes it harder. Right. And I'm guessing when you're interviewing people for the showrunner training program, it's the same. You know, it's like this is sort of across the board. Yeah. um, Not just for the CBS diversity program. When we're doing the showrunner training program, there's there's sort of, you know what, you're absolutely right, Sarah. It's very similar. We have a no assholes policy. So we can't always get it right. <laughs> if you know well, you what let I us mean. In. Well, <laughs> we make mistakes. <laughs> no, I mean, I remember interviewing you, and you were so clearly good people, in a, oh. and you were charming, and you were funny, and you were clearly going to be successful. If somebody is a whiner and a complainer, whether it's CBS <laughs> or the showrunner program, or they're talking smack about their other job— that's not a great reason to bring somebody in. And there's a leadership sort of, mm. there's that soft skill of leadership. When mm. you meet somebody, you go, this person is centered and would be a good leader. And that's certainly probably more for the showrunner training program than for CBS. One of the things I love about you, Carol, is that you are just no bullshit. I read this article that you wrote about being a staff writer. Yeah. And you basically just said, like, the first thing you said, I think, was be there first in the morning and leave last at night. Yeah. Because if the showrunner needs help with something and they're there and you're the only one there, you're going to be the person they go to. I mean, and then it just went on from there with more and more gems. But you never, like, make it seem not hard. It's really hard, but you also tell people what they need to know to succeed. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. It's so hard and so competitive. And there's a lot of people that will say, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Just And I think that's a disservice because if you're not willing to put in the work and work— Danielle Sanchez-Witzel, do you know her? She's a comedy showrunner, and as she was getting into the business, her father said, wherever you are, look to your left and look to your right, Mm. and you have to work harder than either one of Mm. them to get ahead. And just in terms of first one in, last one out, Leonard Chang, who is now an executive producer on Snowfall, he went through the CBS program and the showrunner program, (laughs) and He had a showrunner. His goal was to be there before anybody else and leave after everybody else. But his showrunner slept in the office. Oh, Oh, my God. (laughs) So he stayed until about 10, and he would come in at 6 or 7. 
Wow. And it really oh worked because he moved up. But, I mean, that's a conundrum, that, right? Yeah, that what do is. you do when the showrunner's got a sleeping bag? <laughs> right. I also have to point out, we are the people who talk about having balance. True. You are. Um, you know, early in your career, sometimes that's not possible. It's hard when you're a staff writer. Yeah. Yeah. To have balance. Well, that's why you guys were so wonderful at the showrunner training program when you spoke about balance. Uh, somebody had come in before. We had a speaker who said, <laughs> you can't do it. You can't be married. You can't have children. You And you guys are going, yeah, if you do this, you can. And if you're thoughtful about it and strategic, you can. You can. And you're poster children for being able to do that. And one thing I don't know if we talked about on that panel is being a team helps. It really you does. Yeah. It really does. That's what somebody said. You remember we do these written evaluations at the end of the day. They said, yeah, if, if you're if a your team, team, it yeah. really helps. <laughs> but Carol Barbie was on that panel. Yeah, she she was. was a team. She does it. It's possible. Yep. Now, Carol, I want to ask you about something because as the years go by, I become increasingly convinced that <laughs> what people wear and how they look is like mightily influences how successful they become. And as a result, even though I am wearing sweats and a hoodie right now, I keep claiming I'm going to start dressing a lot better. And someday I will. You have enough success that you can dress however you want. Well, I would disagree with that. But what do you think? Like, am I neurotic or do you think that's this is I true? I think that's absolutely true. And there's a couple of reasons why. And one is that you want to do the Hollywood dress code, yes. which isn't the corporate dress code unless you want to be an agent, which means no suits. Yes. But you want it is. Here's the truth. It looks like a friendly, casual business, but it's not. It's really a business. So you want to look casual but well put together. Women, if you can wear jewelry, something that's interesting, it's a conversation mm. starter. Mm. And it looks like you respect yourself. If you take care of how you look, then people have more confidence that you're going to do a good job. It's it's subliminal, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah Like we've talked about having a, a signature belt or yes. some kind of statement piece. I got my statement bag this year. It's you absolutely did. true. What is your statement bag? It's right there in the corner. People comment it's a on nice it. nice bag. I do get a lot of comments <laughs> And it. it's red and I'm it's embarrassed brown. to say what it is. It's nice. It's yeah. really nice. <laughs> It is totally a conversation starter. Yeah. Anything, if you're breaking in, anything that can make a personal connection and start a conversation is a plus. Right. I do. I will say I do see it as an investment in our career, my bag. Oh, I <laughs> support that 100%. <laughs> I hope so. God. I support your investment in our career, as always. Yes. <laughs> and I just want to say... If you don't have a lot of money, you can still look good. Yes. Well, it, absolutely. Especially now. I mean, not just you can get great looking stuff at Target, but yeah. aside from that, the real real we've talked about on this show and other mm. places where you can buy used designer stuff. So Mary gets great stuff at Wasteland on Ventura. Yes. Yep. yes. It's just being thoughtful about it and putting in, again, everything needs time and effort. Yeah. So it's putting time and effort into your appearance, even if it feels like, wait, I want to write a script. What does that have to do with my shoes? Nothing except everything. Right. Exactly. Now, we all want to think that we can just, like, survive on talent alone yeah. and, you know, just our brilliance will shine through. But, you know, I also color my hair. I mean, it just, it is what Who it doesn't? is. doesn't? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, people I admire. <laughs> I really admire those people who don't, but I'm not one of them anymore. It, it's about, it's everything you said. It's thoughtfulness. It's putting the time, putting the energy, and being strategic. You said that when you started, everything you did was to help you move forward. And that may sound cold, 
But it's your business. Yeah. As a writer, your writing career is your business. You have to be the head of marketing for your company. Ooh, I love that. Right. By the yes, way, Sarah, that's brilliant. as we sit here, I've realized everything we do is still toward advancing our career. You're right. No, we you're actually, right. Actually, it hasn't changed. Yeah. You yeah. have to. You can never let up. Yeah, yeah. You can let up when you have fuck you money. Right. That seems to be Shonda, the, I guess. Yes, yes. I think Shonda can let up. I don't yeah. think she is letting up. But right. she could but she if could she if wanted, she wanted. To. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, finally, Carol, we ask all of our guests, what makes you happier in Hollywood? Okay, this sounds so Pollyanna, but helping people and watching them succeed, mm. that just fills me with joy. Having been an executive, blah, 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 you know, getting to just, all I do is help people. It makes me happy all the time. Mm. Carol, thank you so much for being here. You are a teacher, a mentor, and a friend to so many writers. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. For and letting that's at me all come. levels, from people who are just starting to EPs. So we appreciate what you do. Please keep doing it. I Until they say you can't do it anymore, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I love this podcast, and I appreciate being here. Thanks for coming in. Coming up, Sarah and I revisit being rewritten, but first is break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, Liz, now it's time for our segment, Take Two, in which we revisit a topic we have discussed in an earlier episode. And today, that topic is being rewritten. Yes. In episode 91, we answered a mailroom question from a writer's assistant who was assigned her first script. However, her script was rewritten, and she wanted to know if that was normal. And we said, yes, Totally normal. So normal. But what was interesting is that after that discussion, we got all these emails and comments on our Facebook group also from people who work in totally different fields yes. who have been through the exact same experience. Yes. I'll read one from Deborah. Okay. She says, I very much resonated with the notion of not getting upset if your work gets redone. I have both done this and had this done to me. <laughs> when I have gotten rewritten, the dominant emotion was that I have disappointed my boss by not delivering usable work. I feel that one of my responsibilities in my job is to make my boss's life easier, and if he has to redo my work, I am not fulfilling my responsibilities very well. I am appreciative of his efforts, and the work is better for his input, but gosh, wouldn't it have been great if I could have delivered what he wanted first? 
And yet, when I have rewritten material that my subordinates have given me, I'm grateful that they provided me with something I could work with and don't feel annoyed with them that they didn't provide me the fully formed product. Easier to be kind to others than to myself, it seems. Yeah, and I think that's so common. Amazing point. Yeah. I mean, I think that is so true. We don't think anything of having to rewrite someone. That's our job. Yeah, exactly. And we don't expect anyone to give us anything that's perfect. Yeah. And yet when we're rewritten, we feel like, oh, (laughs) we failed. (laughs) So it's a common feeling. It is. And Tammy from our Facebook group wrote, on the subject of being rewritten and needing to handle it well, the same is true in the legal mm. profession and in law school, for that matter. I always tell the students in my legal writing class that they have to be willing to accept criticism on their writing and learn from it. I show them a two-page letter that I wrote early in my career that is absolutely <laughs> covered in red ink. And I point out that the best way to learn a new skill is by making mistakes, being corrected, and learning from the feedback. I've always found that the students who do best in my class are the ones who embrace criticism as an opportunity to get better. I've been hearing more and more stories recently of summer associates at law firms who are current law students not getting offers of employment at the end of the summer because they could not handle feedback well. As Liz said in the episode, being rewritten is not what would keep you from getting a future job. Having a bad attitude about the rewriting is what will do it. Mm, yes. So true. And it can be hard to sit yeah. there and take it, but it is, it's the job. It is. Now, Jackie from our Facebook group said, My first job was clerking for a judge where my job was in part to draft opinions and orders for her. Then I went to another clerkship where I drafted opinions and orders for four different judges. Then I went into private practice where I drafted all kinds of legal pleadings. I've recently gotten back into a job similar to clerking, where my job involves writing opinions and orders. Since I'm new here, my manager reviews my opinions and gives me feedback on them. Sometimes it's super helpful and obvious stuff, but we have definitely had situations where he has asked me to make changes that were totally unnecessary, where I had already said what he was asking me to say, but he wanted it to be worded differently, or he didn't read it carefully, or I don't know what. And in those situations, it is so hard to not get my dander up. Sometimes I will try to assert myself and explain why I wrote what I did, but sometimes I just have to swallow my pride and make the change and know that in the long run, his opinion of me matters more than whatever words go into the opinion. You know, Liz, this reminds me of something that Ben Edlund said when we Mm. were on Angel. Yes, Ben Edlund, creator of The Tick, amazingly talented writer. Yes, he, you know, we would work as a room for on all this stuff, and then Joss would come in and be like, nope, that's wrong, let's do this. And, of course, Joss is brilliant, so that worked out always <laughs> very well. But Ben one time said, you know, he's right because he's in charge. Right. And it reminded us that, like, it's not personal often. You know, what your yeah. boss wants may be different than what you did. That doesn't mean that what you did was wrong. Yeah, it's also true that sometimes changes are lateral. Yeah. And I think for everybody, no, a change from Joss is rarely, if ever, going to be lateral. <laughs> right. But there are many times many. when there are lateral changes and you do just have to eat it. Mm-hmm. And it's still better just to eat it than to, you know, stomp around the office. Yeah. Eat it off. with grace. Eat it with grace. Oh, <laughs> gosh, that's got to be one of our new mottos. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you to everyone for your stories about being rewritten. It is, oh, I mean, it's so universal. Yeah. Humbling, but necessary. Yes. Next up, we reveal this week's Hollywood hack, courtesy of The Fix's writer's assistant. But first, a break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood Hack which is widen the net, and we will explain what that means. And this comes from Laura Snow, who is our writer's assistant on The Fix, and she got it from (laughs) Kayla, who was somebody who was at our meetup who Laura talked to. As we said, there was a lot of great conversation at our meetup, and Laura got this amazing tip. Yes. So Kayla and Laura had a conversation about networking Mm. and about how when you're networking, the impulse is to talk to people who do what you do. Kayla has a friend who's a travel writer, and her friend was on a travel writer's LinkedIn group. So she was just sort of in an echo chamber of travel writers. And we're all competing for the same jobs. Exactly. And her friend realized, oh, wait a minute. I should be in different groups. I should be in a group of freelance writers, a group about tourism. So she sort of expanded into all these other areas that were connected but not exactly what she was doing, and that helped her broaden her networking group. And because she would often be the only writer in those groups, like if it's a group about dentistry, she's going to be the only writer in that People would find out she was a writer, and when they need something written, they'd go, oh, hey, Kayla's friend, why don't you write this for me? And she got an amazing amount of work through these different groups because she was the only writer in the group. Yeah, you have to reach beyond your, like, whatever, career group? What do you what do you call that? Yes, beyond, I don't know, the people who do what you do. So we shouldn't just be hanging out with TV writers all the time as we're wont to do. Right. Well, and that is one thing I loved about our meetup is there were producers yes. there, there were reality people there, yes. there were actors, there were, I mean, Aspiring everybody. directors. Yeah. It was a great way to meet people who you can really develop relationships who don't do exactly what you do. Yes. And kind of, you know, I don't know. Maybe somebody's going to make a movie from our meetup, Liz. Hey, it could happen. I like it. So thank you, Laura and Kayla, for that amazing hack. And Kayla's friend. And Kayla's friend. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Next up, we have my horse stable celebrity sighting, although I've learned that it's just a barn. Ah. It's called The Barn. I'm going to The Barn this morning. Okay. I was at The Barn because Violet has recently started taking riding lessons, which— Oh, my God. You want to see a happy (laughs) six-year-old girl? Get him on a horse. So it was our first time there. And uh, I'm not a a real housewives person, so I'm not 100% sure this is who I think it is. But I'm 95% sure that I saw Lisa Vanderpump. 
Well, I'm sure it was Lisa Vanderpump because she rides all the time. She's a major horse person. Which I didn't know. So the fact that I was like, oh, that's Lisa Vanderpump, and then you tell me she's a horse person. Yes. She had a very frisky horse. Okay. She wasn't on the horse. They were trying to get the horse back in a stable, and the horse was like, it drew your attention. It had a lot of personality, the horse did. What I'm wondering is if Teddy Mellencamp was there because she's a real housewife and also— a horse person. Yes, so. and I would not know. So now I feel like I have to look her up because we're going back to the barn yes. now. I need to see if I see Teddy Mellencamp. Yes. I am sure it was Lisa Vanderpump. And that is a great <laughs> sighting. I've seen her a few times, and she is one of those people, as we've discussed, yes. that puts out the aura. She really does. And she had a like a navy blue velvet puffy jacket. Mm. Was I mean, she certainly dressed like a real housewife. Yes. She looked awesome. Good. Well, Sarah, I might have to come along to one of to the barn. barns. <laughs> yes, visits to the barn to try to see the LVP. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. A special thanks to Carol Kirshner for joining us today. Be sure to check out her book, Hollywood Game Plan. You can follow her at Carol. Kirsch, that's C-A-R-O-L-E-K-I-R-S-C-H, on Twitter, and Kirshner.Carol on Instagram. Also, thanks to Laura Snow and Kayla and Kayla's friend for contributing this week's Hollywood hack. Thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and to Jose Alcantar for filling in for Chuck today. And to everyone at Sancola Sound, you can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. And thank you to everyone at Cadence 13. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Thanks for listening us and please subscribe Wait, if you Thanks for listening us. Listening us, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Ace oh, what's you? God, I'm having problems. <laughs> I think I need more coffee. From the Onward Project. <laughs>